welcome. I'm Jeff, uh, one of the pastors at Central Vineyard. We're happy to have you with us today. Um, my little disclaimer I've been giving lately, surely for my personal convenience and protection of my dignity, is I'm kind of face blind, and with masks on, it's even more. So if I don't recognize you, have mercy. Uh, but we're so happy to have you today. Listen, uh, while we're here worshiping God, the world is on fire right now, you know, and that fire is burning somewhere or everywhere at any given time. We're specifically uh, going to uh, pray for the conflict in Ukraine this Sunday. Um, this is potentially the first domino in many other conflicts. Some people are saying, this has the potential of being the biggest global conflict since uh, 1945. There are some people are, and now we're going to pray otherwise along that. But what we're going to do is I'm going to, we're going to all pray together. I've invited uh, uh, some folks here, and June has invited some folks, where we're going to uh, have a general prayer. And then whoever is reading that prayer is able to add any other intercessory prayers to the mix. And then together we're all going to pray the Lord have mercy prayer. And some of you, if you're maybe from an Anglican or uh, a Catholic background, you know the words Kyrie eleison. Or if you knew the song by Mr. Mr. in the 1980s, which was pretty awesome. Kyrie eleison. Why would someone call me during church? Oh. Anyway, uh, the last time that happened, it was my dad, and I put him on the mic. Uh, but uh, this Kyrie eleison is Latin for Lord have mercy, and since so many people over the ages have worshipped in Latin, we also add that to our prayers in a way of symbolizing the global nature of our faith. So who, we're going to do this, and we have some slides. Are you ready? Uh, these are, this is a prayer that was written by Pete Grieg. If you were there when we planted the church in the first year, Pete Grieg was one of the first guest speakers we had. Uh, he, God's really used him as a catalyst for uh, prayer in the uh, country here, I mean, around the world. So we're going to pray that prayer. So who's our first prayer person up? Oh, Chris McCain, so thank you. And then after that, I'm going to lead us in some specific prayer points regarding uh, people we're relationally connected to in Ukraine as well. Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of the Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies that they may live without fear before you all their days. Lord, we know that you love these people just like you love us, and we ask that you will bring peace to their country, that you will protect them, and that you will work in this situation more than we expect, that you will do fantastic things. We just ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, have mercy. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. 
Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace, our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945, and we simply cry out to you urgently to write another story in our time. Thwart the dark machinations of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers seeking an equitable and less violent way. May politicians exercise the wisdom from above, which is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, and full of mercy. Lord Jesus, we just pray for those who are so weak that they feel they must control other people. We ask that they would have a change of heart and your Holy Spirit might speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. Grant our brothers and sisters in the nation courage in this crisis that they may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up the broken hearts, and bring comfort to all who mourn. Lord, we lift these precious souls up to you. Lord, we understand how broken and how, how broken they must feel, Lord. We pray that you would, you would put them back together, Lord, in, in their faith for you. We pray that these brothers and sisters will be able to spread more of you, that more people will um, come to you and be able to glorify you. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. You, Lord, make wars cease to the end of the earth. You break bows, shatter spears, and burn shields with fire, according to Psalm 46.9. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate this crisis. We hear of wars and rumors of wars, as your word says in Matthew 24.6. But you, Lord, are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. And so we address the nations now. In the name of Jesus, we say, be still and know God. He is exalted among the nations. He shall be exalted in the earth, as it says in Psalm 46.10. God, I pray that you would make those in positions of power and their advisors just feel loved, whole, and enough, and not feel a need to prove themselves or try to escalate aggression in an attempt to project strength. Make them see the strength in being peacemakers. Lord, have mercy. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Amen.
So uh, some of you may know Jim Mumper either through Facebook uh, interactions or Vineyard Missions. Jim is a, another uh, a Vineyard pastor who we are friends with. I first made a connection with Jim uh, several years ago at a Vineyard Mission Missional Leaders Conference, and we both connected on the Lake Great Club CBGBs in the Bowery District, New York. Both have been there, lamented its passing, and were fans of the artistry of Joey Ramone and others. So Jim is a soul brother. And he's also written kind of a memoir about kind of his messy life engaging missional opportunities that you can get to. But Jim is currently right now traveling into Ukraine uh, with a series of kind of uh, uh, vineyard folks to offer some assistance and also some people uh, need to be kind of evacuated. So he reached out one of our pastor forums for prayer on specific points. And what I'm going to do is read these points, uh, give maybe some context, additional context, and we'll pray for that. And I'm asking you guys just to stand with me in prayer and amen what we're praying. And uh, part of this is in our passage today at Daniel, you know, uh, neither male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and that passage can keep going on. Neither uh, Russian, neither Russian or Ukrainian, neither uh, uh, documented citizen and undocumented alien, whatever you want to say, all these uh, bifurcated groups of people, our prayer, our hope, and our lifestyle is one in Christ. One in Christ. We, we uh, endeavor to be faithful citizens of wherever we live, knowing that we have a global citizenship in Jesus that transcends any elected or elected official or uh, dictator or anyone, that Jesus is king. And that kingship is basically, if we're not each individually challenged in some way about our loyalties, then we, this is a good chance we don't understand what it means that Jesus is king, because all of us are gonna feel a burn in some other loyalty. So, um, Jim, along those lines, uh, the main area where uh, prayers need is Kiev. And by the way, some of these places and names, I am not going to pronounce well. And I just ask for grace for whoever may hear this. If you know I'm messing it up, I'm doing my best to honor you by reading these names carefully. So, disclaimer aside, then. Uh, the battle's quite tense in Kiev. Uh, I know some of you, if you've been on some of the forums, there's actually places on Reddit where people are streaming, you know, smartphone images of what is going on. Uh, unfortunately, those images aren't available in Russia, so a lot of people are just hearing propaganda because their internet services have censored the content where citizens are showing what's happening real time. Um, that's available to see. It's not recommended footage for showing children, not suitable for life type stuff. But um, we have a number of pastors and uh, church planners, uh, many of which are in Kiev right now with our vineyard church. And I'm not, a lot of other churches are very active in both Russia and Ukraine beyond measure, but we're relationally connected for a few. But we wish that our intercessions go forward to all these churches. So 
Dennis and Olga and their family, uh, who pastor in Kiev, they're holed up in the basement of a seminary where they work, just because I guess shelling is pretty bad where they're at. So presumably they're praying and asking God for mercy, and they're just kind of uh, bunkered down. Uh, Andre and his son Zenia, um, his wife actually uh, was able to safely cross over to Poland, are uh, also uh, hiding out. And Sergey and Elena and family are currently uh, gathered with people in their church in the basement of their church. There's a theme going on. Let's see here. Um, and Russell and Masha and family are traveling from their church in Kiev to help out with uh, a vineyard ministry in Zitomir. I probably didn't pronounce that right. And in Zitomir, uh, our friends uh, Jed and Kim run a uh, home for severely disabled children. There, uh, there's not much of a social safety net there for people who are really struggling. And they have a home caring for kind of the least, the, 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 the forgotten uh, children in the country. It's uh, pretty calm there uh, right now, but the battles keep moving closer. So they're continuing to minister to their kids and people from the other churches. Uh, Lavinia churches and other places around Ukraine are also going there because the kids require extra assistance. And... Around the city at this moment, uh, well, it's probably evolved since I even uh, wrote this down uh, from Jim's stuff. Uh, the city is currently divided to the river. There's no access from one side of the city to the other. A lot of gunfire all around and some very intense uh, battles. Um, in our uh, church in Vignetisia, uh, we have a Pastor Ruslan there. Uh, we have not been able to make contact with them. In Elviv, uh, Pastor Vasily, we've not been able to contact them. Uh, in Odessa, Pastors Pavel and Katya, uh, we don't have information, but there's very intense battles going on in Odessa right now. In Kremenchuk, uh, Sasha and Elena and family, our other pastors, vineyard pastors there, we don't have any update about them. But we lift up these names because it's important that we realize we serve a relational God who holds every name in his heart. And while we can only hold a few names in our hearts, we believe that the body of Christ is united in uh, taking their part of this. Now, for the vineyard churches in Russia, as well, because uh, our churches in Russia and our churches in Ukraine and our churches here, we're actually working to pledge allegiance to the same God, the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of the Lamb of God, who is also described, or uh, the Lion of God, who is a Lamb, the God who uh, subverts violence with peace and healing, and in uh, that we're one. And there's complexities here with churches because the, the number one ch- temptation of any church is to let their loyalty to a political group, a political ideology, a president, or a nation override their loyalty to Jesus. As we've seen, you know, our country is definitely not immune 
uh, to that. But in the churches in Russia, they were almost everyone was caught off guard by this attack. And you know, uh, I don't quite understand the government of Russia, but I do know uh, Putin. It, it's not a democracy, functionally, and Putin is now kind of a president for life. He's kind of changed the constitution. He's been in power 21 years, and he was a faithful member of the KGB going before that. And I would say probably most uh, followers of Jesus don't identify with their leader of their nation. And I know what that's like. Uh, but the media is locked down and, and controlled in Russia. There's a lot of propaganda going on. But uh, most of the vineyard churches there have actually joined in the protest to condemn what the president is doing in Ukraine. However, a couple of our churches have been in more isolated areas where all they have is the propaganda of like, you know, Ukraine is committing ethnic cleansing against people and stuff like that. And that's something that, you know, streamers on the internet have shown uh, isn't happening. Not that we're really for every government, because the fact is, it's not a question between good and bad. It's a question of bad and worse. Whenever we look at earthly kingdoms, it's never good and bad. It's bad and bad, bad and worse, or worse and worser. All right, um, no, no, uh, no man-made institution is without blood on their hands. Um, so we want to pray for those churches that have kind of fallen into, you know, the whole kind of make Russia great again uh, idea that they've been getting through their propaganda there because God have mercy on us. If, if you're like me, you've fallen into the trap sometimes of identifying with your culture more than you identify with our gospel. Our gospel that doesn't recognize citizen and non-citizen. Our gospel that just recognizes people are precious to Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, as a gathered body, we lift up Dennis and Olga in the basement of their seminary, God. We pray against fear, we pray for protection for them, and we pray for the spirit of wisdom of what it means to provide sanctuary and care for the people being victimized. And Father, on the other end of that, we also pray for the preemptive growth of the ability to love your enemies, love those who would do harm. Lord, I pray that Jesus, your, your, your words on the cross that said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, would be something the Holy Spirit is speaking now. No roots of bitterness, even amidst this violence, would take root. We pray for Andre and his son Zenia, also for Sergey and Elena and their family and church family who are holed up in their basement. And for Rush, Russell and Masha, who are making a very dangerous journey to help out the work in Zitomir, uh, and Jed and Kim, Kim, who are just scrambling to run this home for disabled children, God, that you would protect those precious lives, God, and you would just somehow insulate them from the trauma around them. A lot of these kids, especially, who are not neurotypical, who whose life is already so overwhelming, you would have mercy. You would show your power and your mercy to the least of these. And 
for uh, the people who we, uh, Jim has not been able to uh, regain contact with, for uh, Ruslan and his church, for uh, Vasily and their church, uh, especially for Pavel and Katya, whose uh, city is being decimated, God, and for Sasha and Lena and family in Kremichu. Uh Father, I know you read past, you, you, you know who we're talking about, Father. And for the churches in Russia, I want to glorify you and praise you for the churches who recognize allegiance to you over allegiance to the state, fully knowing, God, that their outward protests of this war are not legal, and they face tremendous persecution for speaking out against violence, God, and they're doing this nonetheless. God, we, and for the churches, the more remote churches are struggling uh, with identifying uh, uh, with their nation more than identifying with the body of Christ, that you would just continue to show them their mercy too, God. Uh, they literally have no idea what's going on due to media censorship, God. And we recognize this is not an issue uh, between Russia and Ukraine. This is an issue between the violence of the powers of this world and the peaceful kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that is the war we recognize as we live here. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Thank you, guys. Um, I'm going to talk, this will tie into uh, the scripture we're reading today. But before that, this Wednesday begins the celebration of Lent, which... All the way, Lent goes from this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, to uh, Holy Saturday, which is right before Easter. And it's a time that churches around the world, for many, many years, have dedicated uh, and actually even uh, cut certain things out of their life temporarily to make space for a spirit-empowered rumination on the person of Jesus. It's where people make space to have a reset, to have a reformat. And one thing, uh, you know, our founder of our church group, John Wimber, said, hey, uh, we want to get filled with the Spirit, but we leak. And the idea is we don't look back to a past testimony to fully rely on today, because our testimony of meeting Jesus is the beginning of continual fillings, and we leak. And Lent is a time where we collectively, as one body around the world, acknowledge that we need Jesus to rewrite our lives. A lot of times we, you know, if you have too many apps open on your phone, everything works slowly. A lot of times our minds have so many apps open that the central operating system of Jesus isn't able to function in our life. So we're closing apps essentially over Lent. And that's why many people maybe give up eating meat. Maybe they uh, uh, give up Netflix or alcohol or something for these days. Not in order to say, I need to be miserable so I can know God. It's about making space. For instance, when, when, when followers of Jesus meditate, we don't meditate to just clear our mind of all things and be a blank slate. We meditate. Meditation is removing the clutter from our minds 
in setting an empty chair around the table of our lives and saying, Jesus, I made space for you. Christian meditation is not uh, detachment from everything. Christian meditation is detachment from distraction so we can have intimate attachment with Jesus Christ. Now, I, I do know neurologically there are a lot of benefits for, for people who are not people of faith and don't know Jesus. It's better to detach from horrible things and not do anything. But I, we truly believe it is at a whole new level when you attach to the love of Jesus. In the same way, if you liberate someone from an oppressor, but don't give them home, they're better off being liberated from an oppressor. But what people need once they're liberated is they need to find home and sanctuary and community. And that's what we believe a Christian meditation is. So over Lent, uh, we have a book uh, available in print and digital by Brian Zahn. It's uh, a Lenten devotional. It's basically a scripture to ruminate on every day of Lent in a prayer and a short meditation on that. Um, look, I mean, nice and double-spaced. Each chapter is like two and a half pages at most. Um, and what this is doing is it's taking a series of Jesus stories and inviting us to look past our preconceptions and by God's Spirit have a fresh experience of this story in a way to defamiliarize that story for us so we can experience. Because, guys, sometimes it's kind of like you ever go to visit the most beautiful island that has the most gorgeous sunsets, and you're just like, this is amazing. But sometimes people living in a place like that Skip the sunset sometimes. Oftentimes, if people live in a place of great beauty, they become inured to that beauty. And sometimes it's good to step away and come back to see the beauty afresh. And frankly, a lot of us have had Jesus presented to us through a filter of our culture, of our biases, whether it, it, it's a culture of shame, whether it's a culture of materialism, whether it's nationalism, or even when we struggle with self-loathing, we don't imagine Jesus speaking in a voice that is offering us hope. We oftentimes imagine the words of Jesus filtered through a voice that just sounds like every other voice that has shamed us. And as we've been saying over and over, if when we read the words of Jesus, we need to read it through a tone that a, a person who had completely broken down every relationship in their life, who was considered a complete outsider, who in certain contexts would be stoned for adultery, would risk the crowds just to be with Jesus. What kind of person and how do they speak if the most vulnerable people will muscle past the people who intimidate them just to be in their space? So I want to ask all of us to acquire this book, either Kindle or like, I do so, who does not have access to either order a book on Amazon or get a Kindle book uh, uh, that doesn't have a copy of this? Could you raise your hand? Because we're going to hook you up. This is, everyone gets to play. Does anyone need a hard copy right now who doesn't have one or needs help getting it? Because I've, I've got them here, guys. So... All right, Lord bless you. So, anyone else 
now that I'm back here? All right. Here, would you guys like one? God bless you. Anyone else? I hope I don't get feedback from the speakers walking back here. And if you're joining us online today, um, we can arrange either uh, if you're local to get you one of these, or if not, and you're just a little cash-strapped, we can probably Venmo you something to be able to get this, enjoy this, because we do not do pay-to-play here, you know. So we figure some people have extra cash and some people have a deficit of cash, but together the balance always comes clean. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you are all. So does any, anyone else? Okay, if you don't want to make a scene or something, they'll be up here. So uh, we're going to be on our Facebook, uh, Facebook and our app. We'll be having an update. Come this Wednesday, uh, June is going to be leading a Zoom call where she reads or someone else reads the meditation, and we can join and pray together in whatever prayer people need you can receive. And she'll probably also recruit a couple other people to host when she can, but we'll have for the entirety of Lent a morning prayer that is specifically guided by these meditations. Will that be recorded? I don't think so, because part of the call, it, it actually won't, because part of the call is people sharing requests that, uh, they're sharing whatever they're comfortable with with the faces currently on the screen, screen, but I know a lot of people share prayer requests that they don't want archived. So, but you, even if you're not able to join on the call, uh, we will have, you have access to these and to be one with us in spirit. But over Lent, uh, each Sunday meditation is going to be also what we're preaching on at church. We're going to be following that. And uh, our first kind of Lent together observance after the ability to connect over Zoom is we will be having three Ash Wednesday services, and that's it. It's 7, 12, and 5. And those will be here. We're just trying to accommodate schedules. And it's a chance to receive ashes, receive prayer, and share in a meditation. So um, I'm really excited. Uh, the theme of the unvarnished Jesus means so much to me. And even all the imagery that Brian Zahn uses appeals to me because uh, have you ever seen art restoration fails? You know, when people, non-professionals, try to take a beautiful work of art and take all the dirt and everything off, and someone wants to erase the fresco of Jesus, and the face got redone, and it looked like uh, Mr. Bill from the Saturday Night Live uh, specials back in the 70s, where none of you were alive for that. Anyway, uh, I uh, would often go to antique stores, and one of my favorite kinds of furniture to buy is beat-up furniture that is old and made well. Because if it lasted 100 years, it's gonna last 100 more. It's already scratched, so my kids or guests can't ruin it. And it, it's durable. And one thing I noticed, sometimes I would get like this beautiful like cherry end table. But in the 70s, there was a big wave of DIY antique restoration going on and they didn't have YouTube and explainer videos at the time. So people would buy a rattle can of polyurethane 
and take this beautiful antique and put a layer of plastic sprayed on it that in a couple of years, especially in the sun, it would yellow and crack and basically look like kind of dried mucus on furniture. And that, what happened is this beautiful work of carpentry that someone had created as a work of art and function became something that looked boogery. And I would say, this is what really attracted me to this book, is I think a lot of extra stuff has been put on Jesus. And we accumulate this stuff. And I believe the scriptures, when interacted prayerfully and in community, the teachings of Jesus scrape the varnish away as a master restoration worker. Someone who could, the people who are charged with cleaning the Mona Lisa or Van Gogh's paintings, they don't change the painting, they unearth the painting from all the detrius. And what I believe is kind of our greatest need individually, and I think actually one of the greatest needs of the Western Christendom, Western Christendom, I don't know much about, I'm speaking specifically in the West, is there's so a couple thousand years of varnish to the point where people could look at a picture of Jesus and imagine Jesus calling them to war. People could look at a picture of Jesus and imagine Jesus giving them license to hate their enemies. People could look at Jesus and have them value personal safety and economic prosperity over rescuing people who are under threat. We, all these filters grow in and this isn't something you just try to do. This isn't in, instantaneous. I can't just give a description of the kingdom of God and all this goes away. But God's Holy Spirit and God's word, little by little, all these devotionals, very tiny, I think these will be a simple way for you guys to enter a Lent engagement to clear the filter up. And I personally expect, like, I... It's frustrating because I, I, I have this honor of preaching about Jesus almost every week. And I've been preaching about Jesus for 20 years now. And I've been sharing Jesus like one-on-one since like uh, the, the late 1980s. Something that's frustrating is I keep feeling like I'm re-meeting Jesus. In that when I think of the relational love of Jesus, the love of Jesus and his kindness in his powerful inspiration to love others, in his healing, the picture keeps getting bigger. The resolution gets deeper, and the colors become more brilliant. So if I look too much in analyzing the past, I think, oh my gosh, what was I doing? I had no clue it was this good. And frankly, it's also a good place to be. It's a good place that you, you can never achieve mastery of knowing Jesus in the, in the same way you can never master loving your spouse. There's always more. So that's inspiring not to be something ashamed of. So what I think that looking at Jesus as he truly is, is this is what can bring deeper unity for the mission of God at Central Vineyard. Because we, 
we cannot, people coming together to fight injustice can do great things. But there's an extra oomph that is released when people unite in Christ in doing the good work of God in our world. Because you can be team up with people that you're always forgiving, which means they don't annoy you to death. Maybe just annoy you a little. You get to where other groups would break up, you get to stay together. And we believe the Holy Spirit always makes the teaming up of the body of Christ much, much, much greater than the sum of its holds. And I've seen this especially in relief work done by churches. I think of the Ministry of Convoy of Hope has actually made a stand that we will never distribute disaster relief goods through any other organization but a church because they're the only ones that can move past bureaucracy to get food in people's hands. That's an example of the unity of knowing the real Jesus brings people together. I talked to, I met a gentleman who helped coordinate the majority of relief efforts in Puerto Rico, which really did not become a national priority for the United States. And long before FEMA or any government assistance to protect this part of America came in, Convoy of Hope and church groups were on the ground feeding people, providing clean water, erecting shelters. And I literally mentioned this guy who wouldn't identify as like an evangelical Christian or anything like that. I mentioned Vineyard and Convoy of Hope, and he was aware of both of them. And like this tough guy started like weeping because he said how much these people were able to accomplish with so little. And by the way, Convoy of Hope is going to be advising Vineyard ways of getting uh, supplies into Ukraine as well. They're already doing that. Um, that's, but so the theology of Galatians, why, Paul is really mad. And here's why it's important. Because people are dividing over cultural loyalties, potentially. Uh, the people from Jerusalem are coming and saying, people cannot be followers of Jesus unless they follow our ancient culture as well. And Paul's like, wait, guys, you are missing it. If we start adding your cultural requirements to the Jesus story now, we're dead in the water. People need to experience Jesus and have Jesus uh, begin the slow process of strengthening and redeeming our souls, not front-loading it with a bunch of your arcane cultural requirements. And here's what happens. Paul is doing this to two different groups. Uh, a similar message. He's doing it in the church in Galatia and the church in Rome. Romans. And Romans, ironically, has been used as a book to create division and arguments when the whole point of Romans was to unite all the different cultural groups in the Roman church to send relief money to the church in Jerusalem that was, didn't have enough food. Yeah, that's why it's very good. Whenever you read Paul, go to the final chapter to see what he's aiming everything at. You know, uh, Scott McKnight calls that reading Paul backwards. And we look at Paul in Galatians, the culmination is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And these fruit of God's indwelling in our lives are just is 
practical right here in 43202 Columbus, Ohio, as they are in Ukraine right now, as they are in Russia right now. The same Holy Spirit, you can be under the threat of war and violence, and because Jesus conquered death, loved his enemies, and sent us his Holy Spirit, you can love your enemies, and here we can love across ideological divides. So what was at stake in Galatians is there wouldn't be the unity that allowed them to experience the Holy Spirit because people would crowd out their vision of Jesus with all these cultural attachments that would make no room for the real unvarnished Jesus to work in their midst. So our Lenten observation totally goes in with what we've been doing in Galatians. Because we, we want to scour out all the junk and have this wonderful space in our lives to meet with God. So, uh, if we're followers of Jesus, we are limited in what we can admire. You know, we cannot admire power and also admire the sacrificial power of Jesus. We cannot admire military might or military strategies and admire the person who healed the leper, who washed the disciples' feet, who cried, forgive them, Father, the way not to. They are mutually exclusive. Uh, in medieval times, uh, these terribly misguided people that went on crusades because a part of the church thought we needed to occupy Jerusalem so we could say we're the real church against all these other churches. All the people that were killed in the name of a piece of real estate, those soldiers used to hold their sword above their head when they got baptized, saying, God can't have my sword. And I've been so guilty of that. I, in the times I've identified and taken sides and objectified a people group who we may go to war. And by the way, I don't have illusions of any group or political group being squeaky clean. You know, bad and worse, worse and worse, or worse and worse. That's the only options uh, that I really see. So this whole time of prayer has been us physically acting out the unity of the gospel. Prayer is a physical action. We say it with our mouth. We stand it. We hear ourselves say these prayers. We hear one another. In, in a supernatural level, I believe we experience the presence of Christ. That is a physical activity. And I'm so, I mean, what a time to have Lent when the world is falling apart to another level, potentially here. So um, we cannot admire the military genius or political genius. We cannot admire dictators or strong people or those who can acquire power or those who can violently put down those who lust after power. We only worship Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes the sin of the world, not the sin of any people group. So Galatians 3.23-29. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Before this faithfulness arrived, we were kept under guard by the law in close confinement until the coming faithfulness should be revealed. Thus the law was like a babysitter for us. This is N.T. Wright's translation. Looking after us until the coming of the Messiah so that we might be given covenant membership on the basis of faithfulness. 
But now that faithfulness has come. We're no longer under the rule of the law as babysitter. For you are all children of God through faith in Messiah Jesus. You see, every one of you who has been baptized into the Messiah has put on the Messiah. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. You are all one in the Messiah Jesus. And if you belong to the Messiah, you are Abraham's family. You stand and inherit the promise. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. Those were all the social divisions. Slave or free, there were economic divisions. Those that had, those that had not. Uh, uh, Jew or Greek, there were the insiders to God's kingdom, and then there were the people who aligned with the Roman oppressors. There's no more male or female. You know, there were uh, different spiritual roles open to different people, and we see a trajectory in the gospel where there's accommodations made to, like, you know, patriarchal societies, but then we also have Paul saying Junia was the greatest of apostles. We don't know much about Junia, presumably because she was doing so much of the work of leading the church that she didn't get many books published. Uh, but we see this. We, in America, it's red or blue. People identify. Well, there's no longer red or blue. There is no longer conservative or liberal. There is no longer Democrat or Republican. There is no longer OSU or Michigan. There is no longer capitalist or communist. There is no longer uh, oligarchy or socialism. There is no... We are one in Christ, and that is a supernova that makes all these little sparks imperceivable. And Christ is dangerous to the way we do life because Christ will often make your income go down or he may have you what gives you comfort be given to someone else but he gives us vital life and Paul was angry for good reason because these divisions were on the verge of snuffing out the work of God because the Spirit doesn't bring loyalty to anyone but loyalty to Jesus. Let us stand.